Hi, my name is Heidi Phillips, and you're listening to The Aging Athlete. We'll be discussing topics related to aging well and living an active life. Many times we'll have interviews with medical professionals, athletes, and other experts in the aging journey. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy this episode. Well, hello and welcome to The Aging Athlete. We have with us today Dr. Evan Osar. Evan, thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks for having me on, Heidi. Super excited to do this interview with you. Oh, I, I was so excited when you said you would. So for our listeners, I'm just going to fill them in on a little bit of your background. Actually, you have quite a long bio, so I'm going to be reading through this. And um, then absolutely, if you want to know more about Dr. Osar, please feel free to go to his website that I'll be posting in the show notes. And Dr. Osar is an internationally recognized speaker, author, and expert on assessment, corrective exercise, and functional movement. He's authored Corrective Exercise Solutions to Common Hip and Shoulder Dysfunction and Amazon number one bestseller, The Soas Solution. Dr. Osar developed the Integrative Movement System, an evidence-based approach to improving clinical outcomes and helping patients perform at their highest level. Dr. Osar is in private practice in Chicago, Illinois, and teaches his proprietary approach to health and fitness professionals that specialize in rehabilitation and corrective exercise medical fitness, as well as posture and movement education for the older adult population. And just to put it in a little bit of perspective, I'm gonna give a little more background. Um, He's been a chiropractic physician for over 22 years. Um, He's also been a strength conditioning and performance enhancement specialist for that long. Co-founder again of the Chicago Integrative Movement Specialists. Co-founder and content developer for the Institute for Integrative Health and Fitness Education, providing online and live educational resources for health and fitness professionals. He is the developer of the Integrative Movement System, the Integrative Movement Specialist, and the Integrative Corrective Exercise Instructor Certifications. He's also an international presenter, as I mentioned earlier, and he's presented at places such as the American Massage Therapy Association, the American Council on Exercise, Anglo-European Chiropractic College, Asia Fit Conference, Club Industry, ECA World Fitness, Functional Aging Institute, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, many, many places. Um, He is an approved continuing education uh, credit provider for the American Council on Exercise, the National Academy of Sports Medicine, and the National Strength and Conditioning Association. Um, As I mentioned also, he's an author, Um, Corrective Exercise Solutions to Common Hip and Shoulder Dysfunction, also Functional Anatomy of the Pilates Core, the SOAS Solution, and the Amazon bestseller, another one, the Pain-Free Exercise Blueprint. Um, And I'm going to leave it at that. But so again, thank you for your time. Super, super excited to get to talk to you today. And uh, I want to start this like I always do. I'm always fascinated by learning about why people do what they do. So I know you started your journey as a chiropractor. So what made you go into chiropractic care? And then what had you branch out? And it sounds like you, you got into training as well um, at the same time. Um, so, and so, yeah, let us know why you're doing all that. Yeah, that's a great question. And it's kind of a loaded question because I, I never intended to be a chiropractor. And in fact, when I went to chiropractic college, I never had been ever to a chiropractor and I really didn't even know what they did. So, you know, I, <laughs> I took, in fact, I, I kind of thought they were quacks and, and I kind of still do, but, uh, you know, <laughs> but, you know, it's like one of those things I always tell, I joke with people. I'm like, 
you can make fun of your own family, but somebody else can't make fun of your family. So I'm a chiropractor. I can make fun of other chiropractors, but you can't <laughs> unless you're a chiropractor, you know, so yeah, you know, to make a long story short, I, I never wanted to go to college. I, I thought, you know, I, I was into bodybuilding as a teenager and young adult. And, you know, I just went to college because, uh, you know, everybody went to college. I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So when I graduated, uh, I, was, I was about to graduate, finish up my, uh, I was going to community college back in New Jersey. And uh, I, had, I had to take one math or one science to finish my associates in science. And I should, should say it wasn't even associates in science. It was, it was like whatever the, 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 the least, the easiest major was back then, which was my, my major was recreation and leisure. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it only required one math, one science. That, that's, you know, that's why I chose that. Cause I literally cheated my way through math and science in high school. And, you know, so, I, so, so I'm getting close to the end of my semester uh, or my, my two years in County college. And, uh, I met my, my best friend at the time in the gym. We, we became workout buddies. And, and I asked him, I'm like, what, what are you going to school for? He's, he's like, well, I'm finishing up my associate's degree so I can go away to chiropractic college. So I'm like, what are you taking this semester? I'm like, he's like, biology. So I'm like, I need one math, one science. I hated, I hated them both. I just hated science a little bit less than I hated, or I should say I hated math a little bit less than I hated science. So I, I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to take a class with somebody I know. So I jumped into class with him. And, and it was kind of like, like I, I'm a true believer in, in people come into your life for a variety of reasons. And one, one, some people come into your life to change the course of your life. And, and my, my buddy, Mike changed the course of my life. You know, he, I, I, I always thought I, really from the, from the time I was a, a little kid, I, I thought you were either born smart or you're not born smart. You know, I didn't honestly know. Now I went to Catholic school as well. So it was kind of crazy to think about this, but I didn't really realize that, that, that people, uh, people that were smart actually studied, you know, like it literally didn't dawn on me, you know, that, that that's how people were smart. And my buddy Mike was like one of those guys that he would just come home from school and study every single day. And this is, this is like undergrad, right? You know, four classes. That's all you have in undergrad, grad, four classes. And he would just come home and like every day, Monday through Friday, he would just spend hours and hours and hours studying. And he got pretty much straight A's. So during his biology class on my days off, I was working full time because I had to put myself through college. I would go over to his house and we would study. And I got an A in a class of 100 people. You know, I had maybe like the second highest grade in the class. And it was really like, like I said, he changed my life because it made me realize like, holy cow, I actually could be smart if I studied, you know? So <laughs> I, I literally changed my major after that class. You know, then I changed it to, you know, science. So then I had to go back and take all the science classes I never took. So I had to take science and math classes because the, the science classes like chemistry required you to have math. So, so I changed my major and then I ultimately got my bachelor's in science. And then I went to chiropractic college because I was going, going to go to physical therapy school. And he's like, dude, come to chiropractic school because you can do physical therapy here. So that, that's ultimately how I became a chiropractor. And like I said, I, I, he changed the course of my life. And, and I'm here now because, because of meeting and becoming friends with him. Wow. Well, that's a interesting story. And I can see how the bodybuilding transition to you're becoming interested in, well, how does the body work that way? And totally. So um, that answered that question. (laughs) And yes, one person can change your life or even reading a good book or anything like that. Mentorship comes in many ways. (laughs) Absolutely. You know, and again, it's sort of like a saying, it's a cliche saying, but it's true. like, Like when you're ready, the right person shows up in your life, you know, like I said, I think people come into your life for a variety of reasons. Some of them come in to support you. Some, some come in to love you. Some come in to challenge you, right? You know, and, and if you don't learn a lesson from the people that challenge you, and I'm sure you, you used to do personal training, and I'm sure you've had those, some of those clients where 
you know, you're like, why are they on my schedule or in my life? And like, if you don't re learn your lesson, they keep coming back in different forms and they just get, keep getting worse and worse until you learn that lesson. And, you know, so, uh, yeah, so, so, so it's, 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 it's always, you know, I always try to like look at the lesson in every situation, even like during COVID now, you know, we're, we're doing this interview during COVID, there's a lesson in it for, for us if you choose to, to take the lesson from it and, and learn and grow and develop from it. So yeah, you know, you, you can, you can take these bad situations or these uncomfortable situations and challenging situations and, and use them to your benefit if, if you have the right mindset around that. I love that. I'm a mindset junkie. So I love, as a matter of fact, I just shared yesterday with some people. I know Jim Rohn is no longer alive and I don't yeah, know if correct. you're familiar with him, but yep, he's amazing. Yep, <laughs> so yep, yep. I'm a big fan of many people and he is one of them. So he was like um, one of the first, I think he was probably the first guy, the first really mindset guy before Tony Robbins became Tony Robbins. He, Jim yes. Rohn was his mentor, you know? Yes, absolutely. And he was also yeah. Darren Hardy's mentor. Darren Hardy. And yeah. a lot of, yeah, a yeah. lot of people. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so let's shift a little bit and can you tell us mm -hmm. more about the integrative movement system and specifically sure. how this, how you see this helping people with aging and why people should, you know, take this course or become certified in this or even just for, for personal reasons. For sure. For sure. Yeah. When I graduated chiropractic college back 22 years ago now, you know, it seems like yesterday, but yet it seems like so long ago, like a different lifetime ago. So I was 28 years of age. I was in the best shape of my life and functional training was all the rage back then in, in the mid late nineties. And I was all about like, yes, yeah, get people doing functional exercise. And so when I came to chiropractic, or I should say when I came to Chicago, my first chiropractic job, I wasn't really making much money. And, and Chicago is now like one of the more expensive cities right up there with New York and LA. And so I had my mornings free. So I just worked my clinic in the afternoons and you know, it was a new clinic. So it wasn't very busy. So I went back to personal training. I started personal training in college. And so I went back just to make some extra money at the time. Now I started working at the East Bank Club of Chicago and East Bank Club of Chicago is the number one money making club in the country. You know, so when it was open and it's heyday, you know, Oprah worked out there. I got to hold the door open for her one day and Michael, <laughs> Jordan, Michael Jordan worked out there and a lot of the bulls and Blackhawks and you know, professional athletes and, you know, the who's who worked out there. And so I wanted to work with healthy people, active people, you know, young people. And they knew I was a chiropractor, so that's not who they sent me. They sent me <laughs> the old people, the people broken down. Yeah. Or you've got back pain, go see Dr. Osar. You know, you got knee pain, Dr. Osar will help you. And it was really, really the first time where I realized, like, holy cow, I've been in college for 10 years and I've been doing personal training for several years. And I, and I honestly don't know how to work with these older individuals, these people that, that had injuries. You know, I, I learned about injuries, obviously, in chiropractic college, but training people with injuries was a whole different story. And so it became very frustrating. And, I, and I'm an information junkie. And I would go to seminars and yeah, 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 right. You know, and I would just go to seminars and tons of seminars. And I, I would take the information and come back and use, use it with my, with my clients and not really have great success with it. And, and again, I, I kept thinking it was me. So... I got into the best shape of my life back then. So I was, uh, I had done, you know, do you remember Bill Phillips, the body for life program? And, you know, so I got myself into crazy shape, crazy good shape. And, uh, you know, I was feeling good about myself. And, but then I started getting these shoulder injuries. I started having shoulder injuries when I first started lifting weights, but the shoulder injuries started getting worse and to the, to the point where I, I couldn't even lift like 10 pound dumbbells. Like I used to do like when I was in my bodybuilding heyday, like 80, 90 pound seated dumbbell presses. And here I am like, I can't even get 10 pounds over my head and my arm is shaking. And I was really getting beat up, like just 
I ended up having rotator cuff tears in both shoulders, uh, labral tears in both shoulders, and just feeling just my body just feeling awful. And it really dawned on me around that time. I'm like, wait a second. You know, here I am. I'm in the quote unquote best shape of my life, but I'm the most broken down I've ever been in my life doing this functional training. And so how functional is it? And my clients aren't even getting better. And, and that's really when I started to question what we were learning in the fitness industry. And even what's, what's interesting is the same information that the fitness professionals were learning. It started, it started making its way into the rehab. And so now like people, chiropractors and physical therapists were all teaching the same similar type of approach, like do functional training and training in three planes of motion. And it really dawned on me that there's something fundamentally not right about what we're doing and learning because I'm here I am 28, 30 years of age, you know, in, in, in the prime of my life and in, in the best shape of my life. And then I started breaking down. So it was really a, the integrated movement system came out of like wanting in a, in a need to work with my own body because, you know, I'm a chiropractor I'm physical. I have to work with my clients and patients and, and my shoulders were hurting all the time. My body was hurting all the time. And, and, and I was really at, at a risk of losing my career. And then I was just like, like I said, frustrated because I wasn't really helping clients and patients as much as I felt like I wanted to or needed to or, or should. And that's really where, you know, sometime right around there, I started, I met my wife and she had dealt with chronic migraines. She was at five years of age. She was diagnosed with chronic migraines and she had migraines. until I met her at 25. And so at the same time, we started to apply some of these principles that, that would become the integrated movement system. So she was living off birth control pills, um, stopped her periods. She was living off ibuprofen, daily ibuprofen, drinking Coca-Cola all the time to, to try to just manage her chronic migraines. So one of the things we, we learned with her, and, and this, is, this is, again, it's just all these little stories and things that happen that start to change the way you think about things. It, you know, we, we started to, to look at her posture and movement habits. And one of the things that she learned as a little girl, like she, she was a chubby little girl and her mother was, you know, well-meaning, but many of us learned the same things. Like she told her to stand up tall, pull your shoulder blades down and back, squeeze your butt, tuck your tushy under. And she did that. You know, she was a, she's a real rule follower, which is, you know, one of her great traits, but it's also like one of those traits that like, like I'm like, stop following the rules so much, you know, <laughs> um, you, you know, so However, what we discovered, like, like when I met her, she, like she had, like, she was super extended through her back, you know, her shoulder blades were really, really retracted and depressed. And I'm like, you know, she was very thin front to back. And, and, and I'm like, man, like, she's literally the thinnest person I've ever met front to back, you know, not a super small girl, but just thin front to back. And now in hindsight, I can look back and say, oh, when you suck in and you really like elevate your chest and really squeeze your shoulder blades down and back. And you do that for 20 years of your life, especially during your developmental years, you will change the shape and dimensions of your rib cage. And you'll also impact your breathing. And she was taken to the hospital when she was a young girl because she had stopped breathing. Like she was blue and her parents rushed her to the emergency room because she had stopped breathing. So when we started to change her posture and movement habits, the habits that she'd set up as a little girl from, from those very early postural lessons from her mother, she started to get some relief of her chronic migraines and within 18 months she took she was off birth control she was off all her ibuprofen and it's funny we're, we're packing to move out of chicago right now for lots of reasons <laughs> um, but we found a bottle of ibuprofen from 2005 that was the last time that she took any over-the-counter or prescription medication for her chronic migraines and now if she gets gets a headache it's usually around the, her time of the month and it's, you know, usually because maybe she drank too much and didn't drink enough water or because, you know, you know, w when we were traveling, you know, carrying a heavy suitcase and, and bag and just being stressed out 
but most of the time now she can get out of it just with you know with doing a little soft tissue work and, and, and breathing so it really stressed upon us then with her chronic migraines I was able to solve my shoulder problems and I still can't do many things having labral tears like I'm not great with the overhead pressing anymore I just I just can't do it anymore but I can still work out I can still do my manual therapy I, I took I've taken no medication in 25 years um, I've, I've had no surgeries you know here knock, knock on wood sorry about the noise and um, <laughs> You know, so so we believe and we follow exactly what what we what we teach, and then we start to use it with our clients and patients, and we found like, holy cow! Now they're actually starting to we're starting to see some results using the principles that we use just selfishly on ourselves to get ourselves out of some of these chronic issues. So this integrated movement system has just evolved over the years, whereas now it, we're very confident in our system, and and we we can teach our system to anybody. You know, mostly we teach it to health and fitness professionals, but but. You know, we're able to, you know, it's pretty cool about COVID is we were doing online consultations for years. So we've gotten really good about being able to do online consultations and treatments with people, not so much treatments, but consultations and, and helping people with through exercise. And, and over the years, you being able to use the systematic process, the integrative movement system, we're, we're able to be really effective in online consultations. So we do a lot of that. You know, our trainer, Sarah, who works in and she's more than a trainer. She, she's a movement specialist, you know, in our office. And, you know, when people would fly in to see me, I'm, I'm like, okay, you're going to fly in to see me. I'll, I'll assess you, but you're going to work with Sarah because Sarah's actually better at the movement piece than I am. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, no more information, in it, but she's better at the movement piece. So again, we can, we, we've been able to develop a team and a certification around this program and really be able to train and, and, and help others change the lives of their clients as well. Just like my life was changed by it. My wife's life was changed by it. Even Sarah was a professional dancer and she, her body was wrecked from professional dancing and, and a couple of car accidents. And she uses, used the same exact system and approach to help her deal with her chronic injuries. And here she is in her forties now. And she's actually been able to go back to dance and, and actually enjoy dancing again and not be so wow. injured from, from many of the things. Because when you think about dancers, for example, we, we worked with all the professional dancers uh, when I first started in Chicago, where do they all learn? They all learn the same thing, you know, chest up, squeeze down and back, you know, pull your tushy under. It's like, it's, it's a, a very, you know, ubiquitous sort of a um, cueing type of uh, an, an approach in multiple disciplines, whether you're in physical therapy, chiropractic, or, you know, dance, gym, gymnast. We have little gymnasts that are already getting labral tears in their hips, you know, osteoarthritic changes in their hips and going for labral surgery at 12 years old, 15 years, years of age, because they're learning the exact same thing. So, so we, we teach this strategy to young, our young dancers. We've been able to stop a lot of our, or have a lot of our young dancers avoid having surgery by teaching them this strategy. So it's been really effective. And, and the cool thing about it is it works whether you work with professional athletes, it works with whether you're working with the older population because it's based upon principles. We'll talk about those principles some, some, some point here. And not about like, oh, train everybody like an athlete and, and or, or do Pilates or do yoga or do kettlebells or CrossFit or whatever. It, it's based around principles that govern how our body is set up to, to create optimal posture and movement. Love it. Love it. So you found an area that there wasn't a solution for, and that's what you created to help Correct. with all of that. And I, I mean, I'm one of those rule followers and I take a cue you know, I'll do some things and I don't know if it's the right way of doing it, but, but yes, I totally get that. And some people, for some people cueing, they don't even, 
you know, they don't even feel where their body parts are. And no, correct. I coach right. swimming, and I'm like, get your elbow up in the sky, and they would it would be pointing every other way. But you know, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> so for some right. people, the cueing, you know, is does make a difference and changes the way people walk, totally. the way they lunge, totally. the way they squat, the way they you know, sit, um, all kinds Absolutely. of things. So. Oh, I'm excited to, um, but I'll talk about that in a minute. I'm going to be taking one of your courses. That's um, right, that's right. But before we get to that, can you please talk a little bit more? I thought it was so fun that you wrote a book on the psoas. <laughs> so can you please talk about the psoas muscle? Because a lot of people are not familiar with yeah, what that sure, is, sure. Um, sure. what it does, where it's located, and why you were led to write a number one bestseller about it. And if you can give us some examples um, of what ways you have been able to help people in this area and what that looks like. Um, sure. that would be great. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's so funny. You know, I'm one of those individuals that you, you actually asked me this question as well. Like, what about those industry? Do you have any industry myths that you, that you don't believe in anymore? I'm like, the SOAS was, was really one of them. And, and again, you know, that's what I love about being in practice. And, you know, I, I know a lot of my colleagues have gone completely online where they don't see clients anymore. And this is even pre COVID because it's, you know, it's just easier. And for me, it's always about seeing clients because if I can't see clients, then, then you're only as good as the information you used to use. You're not evolving. And when I first started working with these professional dancers, I would see what I thought was, you know, anterior pelvic tilt. So that really arched back posture in these dancers and dancers will always complain about, you know, my hip flexors are always so tight. And when I was in chiropractic school and all the seminars I went to, they're like, oh, it's your psoas. Your psoas is real short and tight. And that's why you have back problems and that's why you have hip problems and that, you know, everything in the body, you know, blames on the psoas. And, and I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's true, but whatever. I, I didn't know any different. So or I remember this one dancer. So she comes in and same thing. It was like, you know, my hip flexors are tight. And I remember doing the assessment for the psoas, you know, the muscle, the deep, hip, deepest of the hip flexor muscles. And I remember looking at the assessment and saying, huh, she says her, her hip flexors feel tight, but her hip flexors are way overstretched. And I'm like, well, I don't know any better than she wants to, she feels tight, so I'm just gonna stretch her. And then she got injured. So that made me, that, I'm like, huh, that's kind of weird. And it's, when you think about a professional dancer, if you injure a professional dancer, that's a career, right? So that obviously didn't instill a lot of confidence in her or <laughs> in me. But again, I'm kind of hard headed, so it takes me a little while to, to, to learn my lesson. So I was working with, with a client of mine, just an everyday client, a few, day, few weeks later. And she's like, oh man, I'm so tight, man. My back is so tight. So stretch her out, stretch her psoas out. I'm like, and then she's like, yeah, you know, I saw you and I felt real good. But that night I was dancing and threw my back out. I'm like, hmm, that's kind of odd. So again, thinking about it, you know, I'm a thinker. So I, I, I think it, but I, I don't really know anything. And then I had another client, you know, was pretty shortly after that. He, you know, we worked with him and everything was fine during his workout. Last thing I did with him was stretch him and stretch his psoas out. And then he comes hobbling back in the gym like 10 minutes later. He's like, oh, I was bending over to throw my bag in the car and I, and I threw my back and I now I can't stand up straight. And I was like, what is going on? And, and that was really like the wake up call. Like, dude, something you're doing isn't right. And so I started to think about this whole idea, the psoas and, and the weak glutes and, and all the things that we were teaching and learning and the things I was doing with my clients. And there's one person, like literally there's, there's nothing on the psoas really besides, you know, just, just, the same regurgitated stuff. There's a person presenting on the psoas. This is back in 2005 in Scotland. Now I was, I was teaching here in the States and I had sort of, my wife and I had been dating a few years 
So she jumped on, you know, one thing about us is, is we go to the source for information. I don't want to hear what somebody said that somebody said that somebody else said. Like we go to the re researchers and we find out what they say. So there's a guy out in Scotland presenting at the conference, the, the International like Low Back Congress on the psoas and the glutes and had research on the psoas and glutes. So Janice got on the plane, my wife, and flew over to Scotland to get the information. And it was really the first time I'm like, holy cow, the psoas actually is not a hip flexor. So all, all this time that we were saying, oh, the, the psoas is a hip, hip, hip flexor. It's like, no, it's not. It actually just stabilizes because of its attachment right up against the spine. It's actually your major spinal stabilizer. It's a major stabilizer of your hip joints. So if you think about your ball and socket like this, the, the psoas sort of draws the ball into the socket and helps maintain that ball in the socket so then your other hip flexors can do their job. And once I, got, once I heard that information, it was like light bulbs went off in my head. I'm like, oh, that's why my dancer got injured. That's why my clients were getting injured. Here I am stretching out this tight, short psoas, which was never really short and tight, and it was really never the, the psoas is a problem, but you're, you're stretching and mobilizing the deepest of your hip flexors and, and spinal stabilizers. And, and, and that's also the same time I was developing an integrated movement system. I'm like, huh, this is completely different than what I learned. So it started making me think about different things I'd learned that weren't quite right. Similar to like pull shoulder blades down and back, which is not a, a very appropriate cue for many people and directly led to my shoulder problems. So a few years ago, my, my publisher is like, hey, hey, you know what? I would love to redo the SOAS solution, and, or sorry, the SOAS book that, we, that I've currently written or I had an author write for me. I don't really like it, but I like the way you write. Would you, would you be interested in writing a book on the SOAS? And I've been collecting information for many, many years, since 2005 on the psoas and some of these, these philosophies and approaches and, and that, I, that I created. So I'm like, absolutely. So <laughs> when I wrote the psoas solution, it was kind of a tongue in cheek because it's never about, you know, like somebody just, just wrote to me and like, hey, can I get in and see you? You know, I, 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 I think I have psoas in it and I want you to diagnose me with psoas you know, syndrome. And I'm like, then you didn't read the book and you didn't really understand the book because it's never about one muscle. The only reason I, I named the book the psoas solution is because it's a buzzword in the industry. People, people get a hang up about the psoas, right? Or the glutes, like, you know, what do you do for the glutes? It's never about one muscle. And, and that's what the integrative movement system is really all about. It's about the strategy you take into how you train, how you assess and how you train the body. And that's what really differentiates our approach to the integrative movement system from a lot of the other approaches out there. We're not chasing tightness. We're not chasing muscles. We're not chasing you know, a diagnosis. We're chasing your strategy. And what we're looking at is the strategy you have that's contributing to chronic tightness. The reason why so many people are like, oh, I always feel low back tightness. I feel like I need to stretch or go to my chiropractor or my, my massage therapist. What we think about is like, huh, why are you always tight back there? What are those muscles doing that they probably shouldn't be doing? Because tightness is really your body's way of protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. So when we feel tightness, what we're asking ourselves is why is that muscle tight? What's not working or what are you doing with your strategy, your posture and movement strategy that's not appropriate or as optimal as it could be. So that way we can address that and then help that help your strategy become more optimal, more efficient and help you more move more closely to how you should be moving, how we should all be moving. So that way you don't experience chronic tightness or discomfort. And for many of your athletes, you were asking about older athletes, a lot of your older athletes will say to you things like, hey, I just can't do that thing I used to be able to do. Or I just can't do that thing as easily as I, as I used to be able to, to do. Like when I'm swimming, I just can't get my shoulder up and over out of the water like I used to be able to, to do. So we're, so we're looking and we're assessing for like, hey, 
What are you doing that doesn't allow your shoulder? Is it your rib cage? Is it your breathing? Is it your head and neck? Is it your, actually your shoulder? So we're looking at the things that can, can contribute to why your athletes aren't performing at, at the same efficiency that we that that they once did. So that's that's the beauty of the integrated movement system. And, and like I said, the SOAS solution is really just a book. You know, if you look in the book, it's not a you know it talks about the SOAS, but it talks about the SOAS in conjunction with a whole lot of other things. And, and like I said, it's really just never about chasing one muscle or right. one condition. Like people say, oh, I've, I've got a labral tear, so can you help me address the labral tear? I'm like, I'll, I'll help you address your strategy that led to that labral tear. But if you want somebody just to rub around your, your hip because your hip is tight and sore, then I, I'm not your guy. And so, so, so again, it's, it's understanding where your expertise is and what clients and patients and athletes work best with you and which ones don't. You know, so people are calling me up saying, hey, you know, diagnose me with psoas syndrome so I can, so, and tell me what to do. I'm like, yeah, I, I can, I'm, I'm going to weed you out of, <laughs> out of my practice really quick. And, and I did weed, weed that person right out of my practice because I'm like, I'm like, this is going to be a nightmare client for me. And you're not going to like and follow what I ask you to do. So it's, it's just not appropriate. So. so it's more about patterns of movement. It's patterns of and, movement, right? And, and you know that patterns I, I, are dysfunctional and yeah, how they exactly. can become more so as we age. <laughs> a- absolutely. And, and, and that really comes back to what, what I was mentioning, like habits, right? You know, we've all developed a set of habits, some of them more optimal than others. You know, you, if, if you look at, uh, you know, like, like my buddy, Steven, who's a model in, in my book, he's 64 years of age. You know, he, he has stay, you know, he, he works on his posture and movement habits every single day, you know? So he looks like, I'm like, I look at him, I'm like, shoot, man, you know, I'm 51. I'm like, I, I, I want to look like you when I'm 64, you know? <laughs> and, and then you see pictures of my clients that are 64 that haven't worked on their posture and movement habits, completely different. You know, right. the, the, the sort of like kyphotic, you know, you know, posture, the forward head, the forward shoulders, it, it's like, it's completely different because it's just same, same, uh, you know, it's one person worked on their strategy. One person just let the tr- let life take over the strategy. You know, right. very similar, very similar, similar to mindset. You can you can allow what's happening in the world to get to you and, and dictate to you what happens to you, or you can say, hey, you know what? I can't control COVID, but I can control the aspects of my mindset and then my actions from my mindset. It's, it's, it's really no different. You know, love it. That's great. No, and I think what some people don't realize too is and posture is something I have to always mm-hmm. work on. And mm-hmm. I'm really mm-hmm. curious to see how you handle that in your trainings. Um, sure. But, you know, people don't realize that it's their movement patterns. Yes, when you were 25 or 35 or 45, you were doing the same movement patterns, but they didn't yes. add into injury then. That's but exactly over right. time, it has compounded and compounded and compounded and now it's leading to injury or now it's leading to pain. And it's not that all of a sudden you've got this injury. Exactly right. I think that is something that people need to keep in mind when they're, when you're looking at the body as a whole, just like I like to look at nutrition as a, you know, and look at the whole body and not just, you know, weight loss or some little aspect of it. No, you got to look at the whole thing. (laughs) It all works together. And if you're going to eat for health, you got to eat for health and that will adjust your weight naturally. Um, so yeah, no, thank you for that. Absolutely. So you did talk about the psoas being completely confusing, uh, all yeah. the information out there. So I don't know if there's another area I had, I wanted to ask you what you find is the most confusing or has a lack of information about for most people that you have seen in what you do or what you've taught. Um, I always love finding people who are experts in their fields, and I know there's a lot of misinformation 
um, and old information because we all have the World Wide Web. Anybody yeah. can put anything out there and everybody <laughs> yeah. can be an expert. Yeah, so, yes, I <laughs> so yeah, there's a couple we, we, we can spend all afternoon. You'll hear like during, during my one day workshop, you'll, you'll hear us talk about the glutes and that's, that's a hot, hot topic area. And I, I believe that what, what our industry, the health and fitness industry is teaching is directly contributing to early osteoarthritic changes and joint replacements in hips and knees and low back. But we'll, we'll save that for another time. Another area that I think would be very valuable to your listeners, especially your, your active aging athletes is breathing. And we hear about breathing now and sort of that buzzword. And, and again, if you ask me the number one thing that, that changed my wife's migraines, it was, it was her breathing. Remember I said that when she was young, that they took, her parents took her to the hospital because she wasn't breathing. And, and just do this with, with me, Heidi, and your listeners can do this as, as they're doing this. So just, just, just relax, take a deep breath in. And just get a sense of where that breath goes and just breathe out. So if you never notice your breath, just take a breath in again. Take a breath or take notice of the ease of your breath and just how full the breath is. Okay, now, as you're sitting there, squeeze your, tighten your tushy, pull your abs in, bring your chest up, squeeze your shoulder blades down and back. Now take another breath in. <laughs> What's the difference there? It doesn't work very well. It doesn't work very well. And it's very struggle or it's very effortful. And it doesn't feel like it, it can even fill in your body at all. Now think about a five-year-old girl doing this for 20 years of her life, right? And the changes that it created skeletally, skeletally through her <laughs> skeleton, through her joints, as well as through her muscles. And when we think about, you know, a lot of clients will come in and we're like, I'm like, did you do your breathing exercises? You're like breathing. I breathe every day. I'm like, yeah, you walk every day, but, but as you get older, you don't walk better the older you get. So you don't breathe better. We don't breathe better the older we get either. And one of the number one things I should say the one of the, the number one thing you, that you do that we all do that will either impact positively or neg negatively your posture, your movement, your performance is how you breathe. And it's the easiest thing to change as well. It, it takes a while to change your posture. It takes a while to change your muscles. It takes a while to become a better triathlete if, if that's your sport. But you can change your breathing literally in one session. It doesn't mean that it'll be maintained and then it's a whole, new, uh, a whole new habit for you. But you can change breathing literally in one session. So, so let's do it together real quick. So now I want you to take, uh, take shoulders. Let's, let's do shoulders. So keep your arms straight and bring your arms straight up right next to your head. So if you're, if, you're, if you're listening to this, keep your finger straight, your wrist straight, your elbow straight, bring it right next to your ear, keep your arm as straight as possible, and slowly come back down. Now do the other side. Again, straight arm, keep it as close to your head as possible, okay? And do it one more time each side. Just find the tighter of the two sides. Everybody has one side that's a little bit harder to lift, a little bit tighter, for me it's my left side, okay? For me it's my right. All right, cool. So just pay attention to that, to the tighter of your two sides. Now, what I want you to do is think about your, your rib cage over top of your pelvis. We call it, they refer to it as a cylinder because it basically, if you think about it, and you, if you look at pictures of babies, they look like little cylinders because they're, everything is aligned like it should. As we get older, we change the cylinder. Like oftentimes our cylinder will like collapse down this direction or we'll hyperextend the cylinder depending on you know, what, what you learn with your body. If you look at babies, they're perfectly cylindrical, okay? So if you watch them breathe, that whole cylinder breathes and moves. The whole thing from top to bottom, 
from side to side, from front to back, the whole entire cylinder. That's what we, what we refer to as three-dimensional breathing. And it's also synonymous with diaphragmatic breathing, okay? Now, if you look at your older clients, and some of us, many of us, we don't breathe three-dimensionally. We don't breathe diaphragmatically. We breathe in one of two areas. And especially the older you get, the more deconditioned you get, the more you tend to become a belly breather. So now put your hands on your belly, and this is what a lot of people teach. And this is not actually not proper breathing. So now breathe in and just breathe into your belly. And if you watch older people, because we watch older people all the time, and those are mostly our patients, they're predominantly belly breathers. They don't breathe into their ribcage side to side. They don't breathe into the ribcage front to back. Okay? So they're not getting that three-dimensional ex expansion of their cylinder. Now, some of us also, especially more of us as the athletes, we pull our abs in. We squeeze our shoulder blades down and back. We become more chest breathers. Okay? So you can have a combination of chest and or abdominal breathing, but you're not getting three-dimensional breathing. You're not using your diaphragm appropriately. So remember which side of your shoulders was tighter. We're going to focus our breath more into that tight side. So I want you to think about cueing yourself from the back of your head and neck, as if you're being pulled up from the crown of your head, the top of your head, not the front. So the chin should stay down, gently tucked, not jammed down, just gently tucked, and feel like you're being pulled up from the back side of your head and neck. Keep your rib cage soft in the front. So keep your sternum down, your chest bone down. And now put your hands on your rib cage on either side of your chest, okay? Now in our clinic, we would probably have our clients use a strap. So we'll put a yoga strap around their rib cage, usually in their upper chest area. Because again, remember, if you watch my hands, I mean, you can see my hands on, on the podcast, you won't be able to see them. But if you think about a cylinder, imagine the cylinder opening up in three dimensions, top to bottom, side to side, front to back. Now put your hands on your rib cage, just below your chest. And now breathe into your hands, breathe into your nose, and breathe out through your nose as well. And focus your breath into your hands and into your cylinder. Visualize your cylinder opening in three dimensions. Even if it's not doing it, your brain is so powerful when you create that image of that three-dimensional expansion of your ribcage. And now drop your hands down. However, my left side was tighter, your right side was tighter. Grab your other, use your other hand, your opposite hand, put it on your rib cage on the side of your tighter side. So I'm going to use my right hand, reach around my rib cage to my left side. You use your left your, hand. Which, left hand, left you would do your right side. And now, same thing. Think of that nice long spine as if you're as if you're being pulled up from the back side of your head and neck. And now breathe into that tighter shoulder. So focus on your rib cage expanding out towards your shoulder on the tighter shoulder side. You're keeping your length through your head and neck. You're keeping the length through your rib cage. Imagine your rib cage opening up and then breathe out. And then do one more breath. And we breathe in through the nose and we try to breathe out through the nose as well because that's the most efficient way to breathe. The reason why we breathe in and out through the nose is because it warms, it moistens, and it also filters the air. If you're a mouth breather, you're not breathing efficiently. And most of our older clients, most of our poor athletes, the athletes that perform poorly they become mouth predominantly mouth breathers become a nose breather okay now let's recheck the range of motion so do the side check the range that was the better side so my right side was better let me just check it again that feels about the same okay now check your tighter side that you just did and see if you notice a difference there 
And if you did a good job breathing into that side of shoulder restriction, you'll actually feel like, huh, actually feels like I've gained a little bit of range of motion and or it feels a little easier to lift that arm up. And that's the power of breathing and how breathing directly impacts shoulder, hip, as well as function through the entire system. Because what it is, is it's setting up the foundation. Remember, all your, your entire system is set up for one thing, to keep you alive, to keep us alive. The most important aspect of staying alive is breathing. Because you can live for days without food, probably months without food. You can live for days without water, but you can live for a few minutes without breathing. So everything in your body is set up for one function, and that's breathing, to keep your body alive. So now think about this. Even if you develop suboptimal or non-optimal, dysfunctional for another different word, breathing habits, your body will figure out how to keep you alive. Not performing at a high level, but keep you alive. So one of the things that you can do today, right now, to dramatically change your health is to change how you are breathing. The second thing you can do is change your eating habits. The third thing you can do is change your mindset. But breathing is the number one thing that you can do right now that will change your health. But again, it has to become a habit. You can't just do it once in a while and hope it's going to change. It has to become a daily habit. So we have our clients do morning and night before you get out of bed. Do five breaths in this manner. When you go to bed at night, do five breaths in this manner. Then it becomes part of their exercise routine. And then it becomes an exercise break for clients that are working at a desk because you know, all our clients are sitting at home right now working from home, or majority of them are working from home. They're getting tight. They're getting you know, messed up from working at home and just being stressed out and anxiety. That changes your breathing as well. So the things that change your breathing the most are, number one, anxiety. Number two, anxiety and stress, I should say. Number two is a sedentary lifestyle. And number three is just chronically not understanding how to breathe and using a suboptimal pattern for breathing. So like I said, the number one thing you can do today, right now, to change your health, to change your performance as an athlete is change how you breathe. Get into a more optimal breathing strategy. I shared with you the first step to doing that is just get long, then focus on breathing into your entire cylinder, top to bottom, side to side, front to back. Love it. Thank you. That was a great visual for those of you listening. <laughs> I got to yeah. watch. But um, yeah. no, that was great. And I did have greater range of motion. I'm a little sore because I went to the gym for the first time in a while. Our gym's oh, finally cool. open. Oh, great. Um, and I did an upper body workout yesterday. So my lats are a little sore, but, um, but it definitely felt more open in my right shoulder. So thank you for that. You're, Breathing you're is always welcome, a good man. thing. Um, I'm a very aerobic swimmer. I don't like to hold okay. my breath. <laughs> okay. Uh, don't like flip turns because I can't breathe during them. Ah, um, <laughs> anyway, um, so I'm excited. I'm going to be taking your course on the complete hip, knee, and foot conditioning for the active aging client because I am an active aging client and I'm going to take it for myself. Um, cool. I have thought about getting back into training and I may, I may be pursuing that um, later this year. Um, but I'm going to be taking that September 24th as part of Fitness Fest that normally happens here um, every year in the Phoenix area. And I'm, again, I'm one of those aging athletes who's doing her best to keep moving with some osteoarthritis in my, in my knees, particularly my left knee. I fell on it as a 13 year old on concrete. So now it's mm. the one that likes to uh, say, hi, I'm here and you need to sure. stop doing that. <laughs> yep. um, and I was an endurance athlete and I just want to continue to stay as active as I can. So can you talk about 
what you're going to be sharing in that online course now that it's online and what I can expect to learn that will not only help me, but um, other aging um, athletes as well as anyone really. Yes. So I'm going to share with you, obviously we're going to talk about breathing. We're going to go much more into breathing because like I said, if you don't optimize breathing, no, no pattern is going to be optimized. You can, you can try to muscle yourself into what you think is more optimal, but breathing will always override every other aspect, even when we're talking about hip, knee, ankle, and foot. So when people come in to me and they have knee issues, the first thing I'm looking at is I'm looking at their cylinder alignment and how they're breathing. Because without cylinder alignment, without breathing well, you don't balance well on single leg stance. You don't run very efficiently. You don't walk very efficiently. So without that, you will start to tear up other joints. And it just depends where your body starts to overload. So some people, they overload their spine. Hence the reason they have so much low back pain. Some people overload their hip. Hence the reason why they have hip problems. Some people will over overload their knee. Hence the reason they have knee problems. And then some people will overload their foot. Hence the reason they have foot problems. So one of the things we'll talk about is like, how do you, one, how do you assess the cylinder first? And then how do you optimize breathing? However, there's things that you need to look at at the lower extremity as well. And I'll just give you a, a, you know, a brief thing. One of the things we often have to look at with people with chronic knee issues, for example, just, just to talk about your issue, is we have to look at what the foot is doing. The foot is your connection to the ground, right? So if you think about the, two, the next most important area for function, for posture, for movement, is the foot, right? Breathing number one, vision, vision and vestibular is right up there too. So vision vestibular right up there. Breathing, breathing number one, vision vestibular number two. But the next biggest area is the foot because your foot is the connection to the ground. And that connection to the ground is sending signals back to the brain about what's happening with how fast you're moving, how well you're controlling, the ground reaction forces, which is basically how hard you hit the ground because as hard as you hit the ground, that's how much force is coming back into your body. And if you look at, everybody can relate to this, and I love using, using Kenyan runners as, as, an, as an example. Everybody's seen a marathon, right? And if you haven't, just, just go on, just Google Kenyan runners and watch them run a marathon. And what are some words that you would use to describe a Kenyan runner? Smooth, right? Efficient. Effortless, right? They look like they're gliding across the ground, right? They do. Because they're using a very optimal and efficient strategy for posture and for movement. Now, let's compare that to your six-hour finisher. And this is no disrespect to anybody that, that does a six-hour marathon because I can't do a six-hour marathon. I have no desire. So mad respect for anybody that completes a marathon. However, let's compare strategies, okay? What is a six-hour marathoner? What, what would be some words you'd use to describe a six-hour marathoner? Inefficient. <laughs> Inefficient, right? Probably a heel striker or... Probably a heel striker. <laughs> Probably they spend more time, when, when you're a heel striker, you spend more time with your foot on the ground, which means you have to use more muscle effort to then propel you forward with each step. And you become more, less and less efficient the longer the race goes. And if you look at a Kenyan runner, they almost look faster and stronger by the end of the race. And like I said, it looks like their foot is barely touching the ground because they're able to suspend. And how do you get suspension? Is alignment and breathing because they're efficient breathers and they're efficient with their posture. So that way they can use, they can use all that momentum and all that elastic energy stored up in their muscle system to propel them forward. Whereas if you look at the six hour marathoner, they're using a lot of their effort to slow down their rate of momentum and to not crash themselves into the ground. 
and then to propel themselves forward much more effortful, hence the reason why it takes them so much longer to complete that marathoner. And again, if you look at all phases of life, you know, somebody, a grandmother who bends over to pick her, her grandchild, you see one grandmother, she gets down there and gets the grandchild up, they're like, wow, that was, looked very effortless. And another grandmother's like, she's got to put her hands on her knees, use a couch to get down to the floor, and then she's got to use a couch to get herself back up. Very inefficient strategy. Again, it's, remember what I said, it comes all, always comes back to your strategy. Is your strategy optimized for your, for your performance, the things you want to do, the things you need to do, the, th the things you love to do? Or is your strategy set up where you're going to struggle? you got to muscle things. And, and I always use this example. Every year, like an, you know, an older person, when they go to sit down into a chair or get out of a chair, it's like this. <sighs> they fall down. They collapse into the chair. And when they go to get up, it's, it's like they're thrusting themselves. It's like, huh. And it's a very Valsalva, very bearing down versus like, you know, a good, you know, somebody that has efficient posture and movement, they just sit down into the chair and then they get out of the chair. It isn't like, like this, this huge, like max effort to do the movement. And that's what we're referring to as optimal performance, optimal posture and movement versus suboptimal or just functional posture and movement where now your body is really just fighting itself. And that's exactly what it's doing. And, and then one last example I'll leave you with is, is just looking at a child move versus looking at, at a, a typical 70-year-old move. Very different strategies, right? We were all like that child at one point in our life. We were all fluid and had all our joints working together and we were, we were able to undulate our body and, and do all the dynamic things our body should do. And then we, most of us, many of us, let life get to us. And that's where we start to, you know, tragically go downhill. And that's where people's quality of life, even their cognitive health, right? is even impacted by their movement, how well they move. So, you know, we see so many aspects of health decline when people just do not have optimal posture and movement strategies. And, and that's what we're going to cover during the, during, during the course. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to that. So thank you for that. Um, definitely posture, I know, is a big thing. I've been working on one-legged exercises and foot strength and all of those things. Um, I, I do have my patellas track to the outside of my, when I bend my, and that's a genetic thing. It runs mm -hmm. in the women in my family. So that I have working against me, but I can do a lot of other things. So looking forward to that course cool. and share with us a little bit more about your other courses that you offer and just quickly how we can find out more about them, where we find them. Yeah. You can find us at fitness education seminars on Facebook. We've had a couple name changes. So <laughs> Currently, our website is IIHFE, the Institute for Integrative Health and Fitness Education. So we have the Integrative Movement Special Certification. Now, because of COVID, we've, we actually redesigned our courses. So now that we're going to be able to offer most of it online, we'll still have, an, we'll still have a live component when, when, when we're able to do that. But a lot of the education now, we, we've, we've proven that we can do it online and, and do it very well online as well. So We'll start the certification online and then you will come out to a live course because there's nothing like a live course to really master the information and really make sure that you're doing it as, as effectively and optimally as you can. So that's, that's our main course. We have smaller courses. We have two anatomy geeks. My friend Jill and I, she, she's a, a, an, she was a student of mine in, in massage therapy school 21 years ago. And wow. now she, she actually works in our clinic when our clinic, you know, when she's, she's actually still in, in quarantine but she's actually doing online teaching for the massage school. She's back doing that and she's working with us here in a clinic. She's actually one of, one of my wife's best friends as well. So we created two anatomy geeks. So that's, that's actually a, a, 
we do different body part four modules series like for example we have the ankle and foot coming up here in the fall where we'll cover different muscles of the ankle and foot complex and we'll show not only like the muscle the anatomy of it like where it is what it does how it works and where it is on the skeleton where it is on your body but we'll also show you how do you address that muscle like for example like for runners so many runners have foot issues so we'll, we'll address many of the foot muscles that need to be worked because again many of us don't work our feet and we re realize that we have lots of muscles in our feet that need to be worked and strengthened to help improve the alignment and control of the foot on the ground. And also, those little tiny muscles of the feet send signals back to your brain about what's happening with your foot position and foot control. So now, not only do you strengthen the muscles by working them, but you also strengthen the neurological connections between the foot and your brain. And that's really what, really, that's really what ultimately improves performance, is, the, is creating that better connection. It's almost like changing your... your the wires between your car and the battery, you know, so if you have frayed wires, you don't get, get a good connection from the battery to, to the car. So it's the same thing. If, if your foot muscles aren't working well, if your foot isn't controlled well on the ground, you're not getting accurate signals back to your brain. So your brain doesn't know what to do with the information. So when you right. improve some, some muscles. So, so that's a two anatomy geek series. We, we, we wanted to make anatomy very practical. And then we have a couple other smaller products that deal with specific conditions on our website and, and our fitness education seminar site, as well as I'm on Instagram as well. Same thing, I-I-H-F-E. I post there regularly, you know, very small, short tidbits of videos and information. So just to keep people interested and, and give them practical information about the integrated movement system and, and how to use this information with yourself and your clients. Oh, that's great. And I'll, I will post those in the show notes as well. And I'll great. follow you on Instagram. So, that's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, the feet, um, I actually, one of my interviews was with, with a podiatrist. Um, cool. And so we had some conversations about the feet and I do know, you know, there's fascia in the feet too, that gets stuck. Uh, and yep, so many right. of us rely on our shoes to support yep. and we're not totally. using our foot totally. muscles. That's a whole nother topic. A whole, <laughs> but, a whole Hold on the conversation. We'll, we'll, we'll talk a lot, a lot about that actually in that one day course. We're, oh, we'll good. have a whole stretch on the good. foot and, and how to really get your foot to waking up, waking up, to wake up and uh, <laughs> actually function a lot better. I mean, you, same thing with, with breathing. You, you can change your breathing within minutes. You can also change your balance within minutes by waking up the muscles of your foot. So I'll show you guys how to do that as well. Great. Look forward to that. So just in general, what is your philosophy on aging and nutrition? If you have one. Yeah. Just eat well. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> and, and, and honestly, it's, it's, it's again, it, it's very similar to my philosophy on posture and movement. Our eating is just a series of habits, right? We, we created our, our eating habits and if your health Again, this is barring, yeah, you know, we have genetic conditions, right? Some people have, have cancer or MS or, or other neurolog neurological diseases. But if you look at most of our health issues, it's a direct reflection of our eating and our movement habits. If you have good health, I mean really good health, not just like, hey, I look good because I have six-pack abs. But, but if, you, if you've chosen a good set of habits, and I was super fortunate that I grew up on a farm and we grew our own food. We had our own chickens. We, we ate the eggs, fresh eggs every day. When the chickens were old and stopped laying eggs, we ate the chickens. And um, you know, we, my mom didn't give us medications and we ate fruit, food out of our garden. We, she didn't give us junk food. So I hated it, you know, literally hated it as a kid. <laughs> but it really set the stage for like what I do now. And, and my diet isn't as clean as it could be. 
what I eat, very similar to how I ate back then. I mean, it's fruits and vegetables. It's uh, lean protein, organic protein. I, I, again, I, I'm a big fan. We talked about this before we got on air. Like, I am a big fan of, of, a, of a more plant-based you know, nutrition approach. I think that, again, when you look at most people's issues, myself included, you know, like if, if I cleaned up my diet and really made it as clean as it should, I know I would have zero digestive problems. I'd have zero muscular, musculoskeletal aches. You know, I'd have better probably cognition and, and, and brain clarity if I got rid of some of the little things that I do. Like, you know, my occasional, again, I drink maybe a glass or two of alcohol, and, but I know it doesn't do good things for my body. It just my body doesn't <laughs> respond well to it, you know. Um, you know, I, I will eat, you know, cookies on weekends or something like that. Or, you know, so it's like, I know if I cleaned up all those things, if I stopped, if I got dairy completely out of my program, you know, like, like, like I was a little congested the last couple of days. I'm like, why, not, why do I have a little, little bit of congestion? I'm like, oh, I just had, it had dairy on my salad for four days in a row. So it's delicious, but I'm like, no, there you go. There you go. You, you pay attention to, to the signs that, that your body is telling you. It's just, just that many of us, we've just waited so, we've gone so far that we've, like, we've ignored those little signs that your body's telling you what's, what's going on, on with it. We just choose to ignore it. So, so in a nutshell, you know, develop some good habits around nutrition. And what's, what's a book that fiber, fiber, fuel, fuel. fiber fuel. I mean, I'm sure that that's going to be just going to talk about, you know, give you much more information about how important plants are to your health and to one's health. And most of us, man, I eat a salad. I mean, the bowl is like this big and that's, that's really only like two to three servings. We're supposed to be eating like seven, eight, nine servings of vegetables. I mean, that's a huge bowl. Most people eat a salad that's like barely the size of their hand. And they think that that's, the, that's all the greens they should eat a day. So right. yeah, I'm sure he probably talks about his book. The amount of vegetables you should be eating is way more than, than, than most of us are eating, myself yeah. included. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think we can all, I mean, even me and I, <laughs> I'm all about plant-based eating and yeah. um not I'm not I'm not vegan but I'm working you know I'm trying to be closer to that only because because of what I've learned from that author yeah. from fiber fuel but um I think we can all you know it's all a journey for all of us and we all get to make for those sure, choices sure. you know if I'm going to yeah. have an alcoholic yeah. beverage or if I'm going to have you know a cinnamon roll or something I try to just Correct. make sure right. that's not the majority of my diet and it's a treat it's so a treat. <laughs> Right. It's, it's not a staple. It's a treat. It's a treat. So that's how I look at it. But yeah, totally. so share with us, what are your top three to four takeaways for healthy aging that you want our listeners to take away from this? Yeah, I've, I've shared them, but, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll just summarize. Number one, mindset. You, you have to control your mindset. You know, you know, I see too many people today, especially, I mean, I, and I don't say people, you know, it sounds like I'm talking about everybody else, but <laughs> it happened to me like, like early on in COVID, man, like it beat me down. Like, like I was stressed out of my mind. I wasn't sleeping. I was, I was waking up in a panic. Um, I'm like, my business is, is, is getting crushed. I don't know how we're going to pay the bills. And, and, and I really went into like a pretty big depression. And then all of a sudden, like, this has been a little bit of a journey for me. So, so, um, it didn't just happen just because of COVID. COVID was just a catalyst that, that made me make that switch. Whereas now I'm like, holy crap, you know, like, like we are actually coming out of this, even though like our business is still not the same. It's not nearly the same, but my mindset has changed. And I'm, and I realize now like, Hey, you've got to control the things that you can control. And what are the things you can, you can control right now? Number one is your activity. You can control your activity. Even if you can't leave your house, you can be as active as you, as you want to be. Number two, you can control your nutrition, what you put in your mouth. People are gaining weight. 
alcohol sales are up, you know, medical marijuana sales are up. You know, I mean, I have no problem with alcohol or medical marijuana, but it's just like they're up because people are depressed and anxious. It's like they're not making healthy choices. You know, people's weight is going up. We're going to see huge amounts of diabetes and things come out, heart right. disease come out of this COVID situation. But you can choose, like, like I'm getting myself into, the, you know, I want to get back to the best shape of my, of my life. Let's use this time because when, when, are, you, when are we ever going to have, you know, a disciplined time where you can't go out to restaurants and, 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 and eat crappy food where, where you control everything you put in your mouth every <laughs> single day? I mean, use this time strategically. So, so mindset number one, nutrition number two, your movement number three, and then relationships. You know, like, like, like right now, I, I think that, that was really come out of this for all of us, myself included, is, is the importance of relationships. And, and, and even though we can't get together, we're, we're starting to see what's, what's happening with the social isolation. Like it's breaking people down, right? Physically, emotionally, because we're Absolutely. not having, we're not do, like, I'm, I'm a hugger, man. I love hugging people. I love Me shaking <laughs> You know, and, and so we're, we just don't have that physical contact. And, you know, like I was just saying to somebody yesterday, like, I, I feel so thankful and blessed that, you know, I love my wife and we, we get along great. We have a business together and, and we get along great. I mean, I can't imagine like number one, being, being alone during this time and, or being with a significant other that just doesn't, you just not, you know, you're kind right. of beating ahead. So right. I think I think it's an important time to reach out to people. Like one of the cool things was, was I got to, you know, FaceTime with my niece, you know, who's 10 years old. She's, she's a, she's a, you know, she's, she's just a baby in all, all, the, all my, all my books, but, but I got to FaceTime with her a lot because, you know, she's not in school. So she's, she's always, she's always available and she's bored. So she, so she calls me all the time. So, so it's been <laughs> to, be able to connect with her and stay in contact with her. So as much as you can, you know, you know, your parents, your, your significant others, you know, maybe a neighbor, right? Maybe your neighbor just needs, 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 needs a con connection. So, right. Um, you know, for example, I had a patient who uh, she just had a stroke, and and her son needed one of her son's lists here. So I, I went over to her house because I, I wanted to help her set up her set up her appointments for physical therapy and, and occupational therapy because I know I know she didn't have anybody. And she, now she got got this uh, you know stroke issue and cognitive issue. So I'm like I want to be able to help her out that way too. So what what, what can you do during this time to help others out and stay connected to, to help you fill your own bucket? So. You know, those would be the take homes and, and, and you said it a little while ago that the last thing I'll, I'll leave you with it is be proactive. You, you know, you know, I, I think we, we've, as a society, we've given away our, our control of a lot of things, our health being number one thing. Like we think doctors should fix our health and, and, or be responsible. No, you're responsible for your health. Even if you, if you have cancer, you're still responsible. Yes. You need a team of individuals to work with you, but you're ultimately still responsible. So, Number one, get educated. Number two, develop a, a good team around you. Number three, you know, don't forget about, don't forget about having a health coach. You know, whether that be a personal trainer, whether that be you know someone like yourself, Heidi, or whether that be you know even somebody like a chiropractic physician or massage therapist or physical therapist that can help you with the movement piece of component of things because that is a big piece of your overall health team as well. For sure. Well, thank you for this time with us. Um, really appreciate it. And um, thanks again for being here with us today. I'll be posting all your links in the show notes. And to viewers, if you enjoyed this episode, I hope that you'll share it with others. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heidi. Thank you for everyone that's listening to this, whether you're on, well, I guess everybody's listening to the recording of this. Thank you so much for uh, listening. And like I said, just be proactive, take, take, take control of the things that you can control. And together we will get through this and be stronger and more resilient. Thank you. Well said. Thanks so much.
Thanks for tuning into this episode. If you enjoyed it, I hope you share it and click the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. See you on the next one.